Welcome to That's So Hindu, the podcast brought to you by the Hindu American Foundation. I'm Matt McDermott. For this episode, we have something a bit different for you. It's a special episode for Navratri. What we've done is tasked our staff writer, Sean Allard, to interview several members of our extended HAF team, as well as members of the Hindu American community, about how they celebrate Navratri today, what they remember about the holiday growing up, and how their understanding of it has changed over the years. What you'll hear are excerpts from longer interviews Sham did with each person, links to the full written versions on the HAF website, as well as to those interviews that didn't make it into the show, will be in the show notes. Hope you enjoy it. To start, here's Kavita Palod. Yeah, so some of my earliest memories are just doing puja at home on the Shara, more than Navratri for us as Marwadis. And, you know, just a really festive atmosphere. Of course, the Shara felt like, okay, Diwali is coming really soon. Um, but in our family, actually, it's a day to to wash the vehicles and do a little Vahan puja, like a, a, a puja for your for your car, um, which I think is probably one of the more unique elements. And of course, as I got older, um, started celebrating Navratri more as I made more Gujarati friends and going to Garba and everything felt really special um, because of my getting out of the house and being able to celebrate also with other people beyond our immediate family. Um, and I think that was always really special. And so when I think of, you know, what resonated most about Navratri and the Shara, it's this idea of, you know, of course, really honoring the feminine spirit in our lives, um, but also just the community that comes from being able to celebrate these festivals together. We we do a Vahan Puja on Dashera and again that's you know puja for your car and my mom was telling me that you know it relates to on Dashera these three things happened uh Durga defeated Mahishasur and Ram defeated Ravan and the Pandavas picked up their weapons on Dashera to to signify the end of their exile and also in a lot of ways the beginnings of the Mahabharat war and so something about picking up the weapons and preparing for that part relates to being able to take a time to really appreciate your vaha and your vehicle, which I, th- I think is, is you know, when you really think about it, can be profound in thinking that, oh, we're taking care of our um, vehicle, which does so much on for us on a daily basis. You know, when we go into other parts of the festival, like we take time to honor like the vessels that we cook food in because that is so much of our life too. So again, it's wearing new clothes, cleaning the house, making delicious food, having a time to dedicate to really seeing and celebrating with family this idea of bringing bringing more and more light into our lives, especially as it gets darker and darker outside. Getting married and having kids of my own, how how celebrating has changed. There's unfortunately a little less of the sense of fanfare um, because, you know, I'm not cooking away for weeks the way that my mom was and and a lot of things that that kind of made it feel really different growing up. But we're still trying to to really hold on to that feeling for our kids by by spending more time just talking about what it signifies and spending more time um, reading the books and doing the celebrations in that way. And so more and more, you know, in in 2020, like Navratri is when we went to vote and there it felt something 
it just felt really powerful in some ways to really honor um, the feminine divine while voting for Kamala Harris, who ended up being our first female VP, right? Not exactly a traditional way, certainly to celebrate, but a really meaningful one for me nonetheless. And as you know, now I have a daughter as well as a son, we're, you know, just thinking more and more every day about what it means to really embody respect for the more feminine parts of our personalities, for the more feminine energy that we need to live our life, really thinking about how to embody courage and also embody grace, um, embody beauty while also embodying power. Next, we have HAF Managing Director and frequent That's So Hindu host, Samir Kalra. So growing up, uh, I don't have as many memories of celebrating Navratri. It wasn't as big in my family, but I do have some wonderful memories of the Shera in particular. Um, we had a local Hindu mandir close to us where we would always go for the Shera and Diwali celebrations. And I remember fondly um, going and seeing the Ravan Dahan or the burning of the effigy of Ravan, uh, which symbolizes, of course, the victory of good over evil. Um, and when Sri Ram, uh, you know, killed Ravan um, and before he returned back to Ayodhya. Um, and so that in particular really resonated with me, the whole story behind that um, and, uh, you know, the story of Sri Ram throughout, um, you know, the Ramayan, but in particular at that moment when he killed Ravan and just seeing that, you know, that playing out um, at the temple, I think was something that I still remember to this day and has really shaped how I view uh, conflict, how I view this idea of, um, you know, uh, conquering evil um, and what it takes to, to achieve that. Uh, and so that was really one of the big memories that I have. And the share was always celebrated, um, you know, quite uh, in, a, in a quite a big manner in my family. Uh, my mother is uh, Bahati. So she's from the hills originally. And the share is huge in that area. And so we always had uh, a big celebration around the Shera, And it was culminated with going to the temple and uh, participating in that and uh, seeing that Ravan Dahan. So that always sticks out in my memory as a child growing up. Um, now my wife is Gujarati, so um, you know I enjoy a lot of um, uh, celebrations around Navratri that are huge in Gujarat in particular, um, and we really enjoy going to Garbas and Dandia uh, events, uh, especially seeing my two young daughters participate in that has been really fun for me, um, seeing them participate not just in the, uh, in the Dandia or Garba itself, but participating in the Arti. Um, that's happens there in um, and also just the devotional aspect of it. Um, obviously, you know, we're living in America in the modern day, but just seeing these traditions continue and being able to pass them down to my kids and seeing, uh, you know, especially Navratri representing the feminine divine and then having my girls really enjoying the holiday and celebrating it with great excitement and fervor, um, I think is really meaningful for me. And so how I've now, um, I think, participate today is really through my family um, and through my children. And that, to me, is the most significant part of celebrating Navratri and also the Shera. We're going to be going to the Shera Festival coming up in a couple of weeks. Um, so having my kids witness that Ravan Dahan, just like I did as a kid, I think is really meaningful and um, looking forward to that. Having girls as, as daughters, I think I really 
appreciate the idea of feminine divine more and Shakti. And maybe I didn't think about it as much um, uh, before growing up. Um, but now I think that is really important. And so as my, um, you know, my personal practice and our kind of our family practice in terms of our traditions grows, I think that has become a big part of it is instilling in them the concept of Shakti, feminine, divine. Um, and as girls, um, you know, making sure that they understand that Hinduism is so unique in this way and that it celebrates uh, feminine energy and um, the goddess um, and it's really unlike any other tradition. So having them teaching them that appreciation for that, um, I think has been really important for me and a part of my own evolution and my own um, personal spiritual practice as well. Here's Shivani Reina, a member of the Kashmiri Pundit community, talking about how they celebrated Navratri in Kashmir in the 1980s and how she celebrates it now in the U.S. My, my early days were actually growing up in Kashmir, in Srinagar, uh, which is the capital city of Kashmir. and this. This part of the time, this part of the year uh, was fall. We, we used to call it autumn and it's a festival. It was a festival season. Um, and, and like, I don't have a strong memory of Navratras because the Navratra that actually have a, used to have a higher significance was back is the time in April. So we have, we have Navratris, Navratras around two times, one in um, in April, uh, right around the spring season, and then during fall, right before the Shira. So these, these nine days, I don't have a strong kind of, I, I don't think there was too much of ritualism associated other than the fact that um, we didn't eat non-veg for the last couple of days uh, of these nine days. Uh, but I definitely remember the Shera, which uh, in Srinagar, in one of the exhibition halls, um, my school bus uh, would actually cross that exhibition uh, hall. That's what it was called as it was a big, big ground kind of a thing. Uh, and my school bus, our school bus crossed that uh, hall every day. And we could actually see the whole build up of, um, of the Ravna and his, his other brothers, three kind of um, uh, like build up of these three people um, in this hall for a month, almost for a month. And, uh, and then uh, Dashira was a holiday, uh, and uh, I, I think we've gone, we've gone to actually seeing the burning up of Ravana maybe once or twice when we were kids, uh, but I don't remember going, uh, going and watching the whole ritual and the ceremony of burning Ravana every time. But I remember just going maybe a couple of times. But what I do remember is this whole buildup of them being structured, uh, like these structures coming up and then coming back after the holiday, like the Shira was a holiday, coming back after the holiday and then seeing them all burnt and then all the ashes and the residue um, scattered on the ground. And that's kind of, that's the memory, that's the strongest memory I have of the Shira uh, the Shira kind of growing up in terms of like Navratri, Navratri days, uh, this particular time period of Navratri is significantly more 
celebrated uh, in like Gujarat and Maharashtra. But in Kashmir, we treated these nine days as kind of religious days, for lack of better word. Uh, and as I said, like the first few days, nothing really changed. But the last couple of days, we wouldn't eat non-veg. That was like, um, you know, that was the the ritualism aspect of it. We didn't eat non-veg. And then the, the, la- the, the ninth day of the Navratra, uh, what we did was we would uh, we would make uh, yellow rice, uh, which is considered to be auspicious in the Kashmiri Pandit household. And we would make a particular dish, um, non-veg dish, uh, uh, which is a lamb or a goat liver, organ meat. Uh, and it would be eaten with the with the yellow rice, and uh, the the I, I think we also offered it to God uh, or goddess because Navratri is is celebrated. Um, it's more of a goddess uh, celebration. We would also offer it to her, and then um, maybe even one or two temples, if I'm not mistaken. It's all faint memories. Um, but uh, we would eat it. It was it was as if it was like a prasad or a special, uh, special kind of thing. You made it to offer to God, and you also ate it. I think today is very different. I I grew up in like eighties in in Kashmir, and maybe like very very early one or two years in 90s this was before internet it was i I would say the cross-pollination of culture wasn't there so whatever we did was very with the purest form of how we have been celebrating these festivals in general i would say that the navratris around october november time this these navratris which lead up to the shera period wasn't as significantly celebrated in Kashmir, among Kashmiri Pandits, as I would say Shivratri is, or Diwali is. Shivratri is really the most significant um, festival. And then the, the, the kind of the Navratri period around the springtime are also more important because they're kind of at the beginning of the new year in the Kashmiri calendar and everything. So this was there was nothing that was happening in our household which was uh, as if it's a period of celebration for nine days it was generally about you know us not eating meat for not last couple of days which as kids we didn't like my mom fasting for a couple of days in Kashmir we ate meat for four first four days in rest of the India you don't eat meat at all for all nine days but in Kashmir, we ate the meat for first four days. And then the astami is when my mom fasted. So we got to eat like a special dessert. Uh, and then the shira was the 10th day. That's where, you know, while we didn't do anything special at home, we all a couple of times had gone to see the Ravna being burnt, his effigy being burnt. And that was a celebration, good over evil. But I remember very clearly the whole build up of those structures and then going back after the holiday and those structures 
kind of being the ruins now and the ashes and all the dirt being scattered all over the ground. So that's how I remember. Uh, But now um, Navratra is so integral to some other parts of India, um, especially Gujarat, Maharashtra. And I grew up in these, like we left Kashmir and I studied in these parts and I lived in these parts. So I clearly know what Nav- how Navratras are celebrated in Gujarat because I did my schooling, my undergrad there. And then I know how it's celebrated in Maharashtra. And now in America, we are very cross-pollination of all communities. So I... Uh, this is a full on Garba season. I'm actually going to be going to Garba next weekend, which is uh, Garbas are celebrated in Gujarat and Maharashtra during during Navratris. So for me, it has changed quite a bit because now as soon as Navratra start, I know the big season of festivals um, for Hindu community and uh, in Indians who practice, practice Hinduism um, has started. So it's like beginning of like a beginning of fall is also fi- beginning of many festivals um, in the Hindu calendar. And and uh, though I'm a Kashmiri Pandit, I pretty much kind of we celebrate everything. So whether that's from Garba, which isn't a part of the Kashmiri Pandit ritualism but it is the part of like Gujarati and Maharashtra uh, areas uh, and now we celebrate it because our friends and and I've experienced it myself so it's kind of changed quite a bit. Now Bhuvan Pyakurel who we interviewed at length a couple of years ago on the show is a refugee from Bhutan now involved in local politics here in the U.S. He tells us about how the Bhutanese community celebrates the holiday. So for me I'm originally from Bhutan I was grown up, I mean, I was born in Bhutan, grew up in Bhutan. So my earliest memory of this holiday or this festival goes back to Bhutan. In Bhutan, this uh, Diwali or Dasara used to be known as Dasai Tihar. So my memory goes back to the day when we used to keep all the cattle and animals, cows and all in a, in a cow shed. And on the day of Dasara or Dasai, Everybody was off, go to the different relatives' house and enjoy the day. So uh, between that comes the Navaratri. Um, and during the Navaratri time, there used to be a, we call it Chandi. People used to read Chandi. Durga, Durga Puja used to be happening. And also Ramayana recitation used to happen in our village. So that it brings back me to those days. So our um, celebration of this festival, we call the Sai Tihar. It's unique uh, in a two different forms. Uh, in the U.S., as you know, it is our days are pretty much all everything is scheduled. Right now, I'm in the car sitting and doing interview with you. So uh, it's a little different. But our is Dasai is the biggest thing, uh, even bigger than the Tihar or Diwali. Uh, during Dasai time, what we do is the peop- all the people from uh, all the relatives, not everybody, relatives goes to the elders house. And then and the elder, the job of the elder on that particular day is uh, on the 10th day of Navaratri, that is called the sign, uh, is he, uh, he or she, they will mix their uncooked rice uh, with the red color and they will have a jamara. Jamara means that is, they will be putting some seedlings on the first day of Navaratri. Uh, there's corn or jow, and on the ninth day, they'll cut them. 
And um, on the tenth day, when we put the tikka, that is called uncooked rice, mixed with the color and yogurt or card, mix it, make it a little bit gushy, mushy. Then they'll put on the forehead, and the jabara is given uh, to put in their ear. So we'll put the tikka on our forehead and the jabara on our ear, and people will go. And there is also a special blessings uh, given by the elders to the younger generations. Uh, it recites like this. It tells that let your uh, age be like a Drona, uh, Drona's son, Aswatthama, he was Chiranjibi. Um, like King Dasarat, let the Shreya, the pride be like him. And in that, in that sense, uh, the younger generation get blessed by the seniors or elders in the family. And the day starts with those blessings. So the blessing thing which I just recite, that is the biggest part of, uh, of the day and biggest part of the year that that blessings we believe are not believe, we feel not, not believing is different, but feeling is different. That feel, feeling of the blessing being experienced by all the younger generation brings people together. Even today, like when we are in, an, in this busy schedule, busy world, we travel across during that Dasaratha, uh, the Dasaratha, sorry, Dasara or Dasami, that, uh, on the day of Dasai, and going and talking to people, getting blessings, talk, uh, eating their different kind of um, uh, dish, uh, food, uh, cuisine, all uh, made by uh, mothers or sisters, usually they do the cooking part and uh, brothers and other families, they'll sit, uh, help each other. Um, and those things are resonant uh, very much because that is the binding force of bringing family together, talking together and uh, uh, all challenges and the successes of all throughout the year we discussed during those few days time. So that, that things is the biggest part of me uh, in these holidays. Then we spoke with Anutama Das from ISKCON. Well, thank you for having me, Hare Krishna. Uh, my name is Anutama Das, and I'm the communications director for ISKCON, the Hare Krishna community. I'm based in Washington, D.C., although I joined ISKCON around 1975, summer of 1975. And um, so my first memories of, of this holiday uh, were at the Denver ISKCON temple. I was living as a brahmachari at that time in the ashram, and festivals were a big deal. And this festival was also a big deal. We didn't have Sitaram, Lakshman Hanuman deities at that time, but especially Deshera was a big festival for us. Um, we were Vaishnavas, so we focused on the worship of Krishna and Ram and other avatars of Lord Vishnu and of Lord Krishna. So um, I just remember that this was a very big holiday. We would dress the deities very beautifully. We'd have a wonderful, a wonderful feast. There's celebrations, special kirtans. A lot of members of the congregation would come. And some years we'd have special drama. So it was one of the many holidays that we celebrated. But things got more excited later on when I moved to Washington, D.C., which we can talk about later, where I where we have Sitaram Lakshman and Hanuman deities. So because we have Sitaram deities this holiday, especially Deshera, is a very, very big event for us. And we actually put uh, a large Ravan outside of the temple. I think he's about... 30 feet high with multiple heads. And uh, we generally do a drama. Uh, in addition to the traditional kind of ISKCON 
kirtans and lecture and special prashadam and all that. And of course, the deities get a beautiful, beautiful new outfit. But for me, it's very much focused on the ISKCON celebration. And we have a wonderful drama with all of the, uh, you know, the kids get involved and uh, some of them are monkeys and some of them are demons fighting for Robin. And uh, many times the play itself kind of stumbles out, pre-planned, of course, stumbles out out of the temple room where the performance is. And there's this big Ravana and they shoot their arrows of fire into Ravana and Ravana burns up. And um, it's just, it's kind of, a, it's just a very fun ceremony, celebration. And uh, of course, there's a deep theological understanding behind it too, but it's something that's very visual, very captivating. And I think it's one of the more favorite holidays of, of people in the community. And also, I mean, it takes them a week or two to build the Ravana, which is, he's a pretty big guy. And um, every year, we, we have a fire station right down the street from us. We go to the fire station and we tell them, hey, we're going to be having a big bonfire over here so that they don't uh, you know, get surprised by all the smoke that's coming up. But um, it's a lot of it. We rope off the whole area and it's, it's, it's an exciting festival. And finally, HAF's own Rami Ramakrishnan. You know, I spent the first 22 years of my life in India. So my earliest uh, memories of Navratri were, of course, in India. Um, you know, my family had this tradition of uh, keeping Golu uh, for Navratri. So South Indians celebrate it differently. And I have to add that it's not um, done in every South Indian home. Um, for instance, uh, it's not done in my husband's side of the family. But, you know, many families do keep. So my earliest memories um, were, you know, like really fun memories of going to um, the Golu uh, event at my friend's house and um, kind of comparing the different arrangements in different homes and then lots of singing because we celebrate Anabratri every day uh, by praying um, and uh, preparing Naivedyam for God, the, the goddesses. And then it's always followed by chanting, lots of prayers, lots of uh, classical music, um, you know, um, songs, um, bhajans, and all of that. So um, I have really fond memories and um, lots of, uh, you know, uh, really good memories of going to friends' homes and also receiving people at home um, so that they can come and see um, the guru at our house. I think the way it's celebrated uh, today is maybe a, a little different from how it has been celebrated in the past in the sense, um, you know, Navratri is about honoring women. Uh, we worship all the women goddesses. Uh, so in India, typically women invite other women uh, to their homes for, uh, you know, offering haldi, kumkum, and, um, you know, uh, other offerings, fruits, uh, you know, little gifts and um, some food and all of that. But here in the U.S., what, what I've observed is people invite uh, the whole families. So husbands, you know, grandparents, uh, visiting uh, families, children. So it, it's become a, a great social cultural event. And, and, and it, it's such a joyful event because it's, it's a positive um, uh, feel-good festival. So it's, it's, of course, it's great to you know, invite your friends, families, and um, kind of participate uh, together as a family event. So that's one way I have um, seen it evolve over the years. 
Also, um, one great thing I've noticed is that um, now in the U.S. every year um, in, in California, and I'm sure it's it's happening in other states as well, there are uh, Golu competitions. So families that have not traditionally kept Golu at homes are now doing that. And, um, you know, they are actually honoring these traditions even more than their parents um, in a way or their grandparents and, um, you know, there's a lot of enthusiasm, people, I see lots of ads for, you know, Golu dolls, um, people are getting so creative. Um, some of the Golus I've seen are so amazingly creative and beautiful. And these are families that have uh, traditionally not uh, followed this. So it's it's so uh, lovely to see them um, adopt a tradition because it's such a positive thing and they want to be part of it. And um, you know, I'm seeing um, the husbands also, you know, contribute by um, like building the, you know, the the Gulu arrangement, which is done on um, like odd number of steps. Um, and um, Home Depot, uh, interestingly, even the people working in Home Depot apparently know what Gulu is because so many families have reached out to them saying, I want the, the Gulu steps to be built in a certain way. So they you know, they go to them with, with measurements and, you know, um, saying this is the plank I need. So it's it's so amazing to see uh, how popular it has become. What resonates with me most is, you know, how our tradition has had such a special place for women. And, you know, we've always honored women. We've respected women a lot. And Navratri is all about, you know, realizing the goddess within you know, we pray to women goddesses uh, for nine days. And, um, you know, I really appreciate how my faith, my tradition, my culture has um, done so much for women empowerment. And, um, you know, I, I feel uh, lucky that I'm able to, you know, continue these lovely traditions and um, do my little thing at home. And every year I'm trying to step it up uh, by, you know, learning new prayers or, you know, making it more, um, you know, celebrating it in a much uh, bigger way than the previous year. And um, also, you know, I, I like to educate my um, friends about this because as you know, Sham, every region uh, in India celebrates Navratri in a different way. And, um, you know, I have friends from so many other states and just to compare notes and, you know, talk to them about, hey, how is your tradition, like, how, how how are you celebrating it versus this is what we do and, you know, seeing how, if there are any parallels and how different they are and, you know, appreciating different traditions. So this is how it has um, evolved for me and as I'm growing older, I'm starting to appreciate these uh, even more. Well, that's it for this episode of That's So Hindu. If you enjoyed it, please take a minute and leave us a nice five-star review. It's how you can help the show get discovered by more listeners. You can help ensure that more of these get made by making a donation to HAF at hinduamerican.org slash donate. Thanks again for listening.